You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. Um, so I'm going ju- to jump straight into it. Um, I'm hoping to be brief so that we can make some time to actually pray. Um, but as you know, people who say I'm going to be brief are never brief. So let's see how things go. Okay. But this morning we're going to be in Acts chapter 1. So we just open there, starting with verse 1. It says, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach. I, I love that initial verse. Eh? I just love that opening statement from Luke. So he's saying, I have written to you something about Jesus, and now I'm going to continue somewhere else. But he says, if I was to summarize everything that I wrote in the Gospel of Luke, it would be that this Jesus began to do something and to teach something. It's a nice summary of Jesus. So if you were to think about what did Jesus actually do? Jesus taught some stuff and Jesus did some stuff. He taught kingdom things and did kingdom things. So if we were to think about it and say, well, in my own life as a foundational thing, what must I be doing? That's it. There are some things we should be doing, and there are some some things we should be teaching. That's a simple foundational truth on which we must always build on. And you know, when you think about it, sometimes we, you know, in order for you to be able to do and teach, you have to know, right? You have to know about the kingdom of God, and you have to know this wonderful king. And sometimes we actually limit ourselves. We stop at just knowing. We are happy to just receive information and say we know, and we stop there. And sometimes we take, we take it a step further, especially when it benefits us. I mean, who wouldn't? And we actually do stuff as well. So we know some stuff and we do some stuff. But saints, I'm telling you that part of the foundation that we actually need for successfully walking with Jesus Christ is not only to know, it's not only to do, but it's to teach. So there must always be these three things that are always constant in our lives. Because if we are to be like our Lord, we need to be those who do and those who teach. One of the disciples on the road in the book of Luke described it and says, Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed and word before God. You know, he was mighty indeed and in word. That's the summary of who Jesus was. And we need to take it as a foundational sort of thing for our own lives. In verse 2, if we continue, it says, Until the day he was taken up, after... He, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles, whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Okay? So it's 40 days with Jesus. So you can imagine it's a mega conference, eh? You go in day one, you're like, wow, you know, this word is amazing. Day two. You're like, you, 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 you know, this is taking us somewhere. Day three, you're finished. You know, you're just like, I know, I'm loaded. I'm ready to take over, Jesus. I'm ready with this kingdom message to go into every street and actually take over. And he says, no, 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 we're not done. There's 37 more days, you know. So you can imagine how loaded and how packed they actually were after this experience with Jesus. You know, I, I for one, would have loved to have been there, you know. Imagine how excited we are during a conference, eh? We are so excited. We are so loaded, so packed. We feel invincible. We feel like we can do anything. We can take over anywhere, anytime, you know, like we are ready, you know. It's like that day you're like, devil, mess with me today. You know, you will see, okay. 
because you feel so strong and you feel so powerful. And they had that for 40 days with the best conference host and conference preacher of all, Jesus Christ himself. But then look at this. In verse 4, he says, After being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he has said, You have heard from me. Um, this is so important. Because think about this. He spent 40 days loading them up. So they were ready for action. They were ready to say, We're going to go into the streets and take over. Okay? Everywhere we put our foot, it's taken over. If we bump into you, you are saved. You know, you don't even have a choice. That's how they felt. With that kind of fire, with that kind of zeal, with that kind of loadedness that they had, Jesus instead says to them, do not depart, but wait. Isn't that interesting? They were ready to go, but Jesus says, do not depart, but wait. And they were not waiting for nothing. They were waiting for the promised Holy Spirit, isn't it? So this is so important because sometimes we can hear the word and run immediately. But spiritual things need the involvement of the Holy Spirit for us to appropriate. We can't take them without the Holy Spirit because they are not carnal things. It's not going to be our ability to logically plan, to think, to figure it all out. That's not how it works. It's a spiritual thing. Spiritual things are spiritually discerned. So sometimes we need this kind of moment after a powerful conference, after a powerful word, after a powerful encounter. We need this waiting to say, well, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? Where, where do you want to take this? Because you know, sometimes you hear the word and you can assume, oh, this is how I must go about it. And then later on, you discover, oh, there's this other scripture which doesn't support the way that I went about it. You know, so it is so important. And think about Abraham. When he received the promise from the father, he could have immediately said, well, you've given me the promise. I know what it is. So I'm going to go and try fulfill it myself. I'm going to go and be busy, you know, with every concubine to make sure this promise is actually fulfilled. And we know with the advice of a counselor, you know, that he, he did try to go in that way. But God still says, no, 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 that's not my plan. That's not the promise. That's not the word. You might have tried to do it in your flesh, but it's still not what I said. The same with Jacob. He tried to say, well, you know what? I'm not going to miss out. I'm going to make sure that the promise, that the word is actually fulfilled in my life. His mother along scheming. So we're going to make sure we're going to do it in our own effort. We're going to do it in our own strength. We're going to do it in our might. We're going to do it in the flesh to make sure it actually comes to pass. But God in both those cases says, no, 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 not my plan. And notice that in both those cases, them taking it and saying, we're going to do it by our own works. We're going to do it in the flesh did not accelerate the timing of God. God's timing for the word to be fulfilled remained God's timing for the word to be fulfilled. He didn't do it sooner because Abraham was just so tired and he was saying, oh, well, I will agree with Sarah. He still kept his appointed time. So we have to be so careful to not think that we can appropriate spiritual things by carnal mechanisms. Because spiritual things are spiritually discerned. So it's important to linger in God. And when we are lingering in the Holy Spirit, what are we looking for? We want to hear from God. What is the faith mix needed? 
Because you see, the word is great and the word comes and the word is so powerful. But there are those who, although they received the gospel, the book of Hebrews tells us, right? They heard the gospel was preached to them, but it didn't profit them anything because they didn't mix it with faith. So it seems that when we receive the word, there is a faith mix that we need to make to actually add. But in order to discover the right faith mix, we need to linger a little bit. We need to linger in the word. We need to look at, well, this is the word that has come, but what is, what is God actually saying here? So it means that when we start lingering, when we hear a message, for example, on a Sunday, we then take that message and not necessarily just say, okay, we're going. I'm going to go make it come to pass. But we spend a little bit of time with God and say, well, let me look at the scriptures. Let me actually go through what the Sunday message actually was saying. And you will discover that the action you would have taken by just running ahead and the action you would have taken by lingering a bit in God is quite different. Sometimes the two are one. You know, I'm, it's not necessarily that lingering in God looks like, you know, now I must call it three-day fast. You know, now I must call it a 40-day fast, you know, you know, to make sure that I'm aligned. It's not that. It just means spend a little bit time in the scriptures. Just do a little bit of a check and say, God, what, what are you releasing? What, what's the rhema word here for me? Because you want to have the right faith mix. Because it's not always the same act. Because this is not a, it's not a, a ritual. It's not a re religion. It's a relationship with God, right? There are principles that are established, yes, but there are some things where God might tell you, okay, this is the word that has come, but what you must do for that word to actually come to pass is not the same as what you did before. In some cases, we've heard of stories where somebody's prayed for to be healed, isn't it? And they get healed. They come, so perhaps somebody else with a similar issue, the preacher prays in the same way or you pray in the same way, and the person doesn't get healed. And the Lord reveals and said, no, no, this issue is an issue of bitterness. This one needs to go and forgive. Isn't that interesting? The same case, but a different way, a different faith mix that's actually needed. So we must linger a little bit. So I would encourage to say, when you receive the word, whether it's as a consequence of a conference, a Sunday service, in connect groups, in discussion with other Christians, in your own time, spending time with God, and you are alone, when you receive the word of God, linger a little bit, revisit it. You know, just revisit and say, well, let me look at those scriptures again. Let me look at them and pray and invite the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, just reveal to me what is noted in the scriptures. Show me what I ought to be doing. Show me my faith mix so that you can see that word actually fulfilled. It's interesting that the, you know, the Bereans, that's what they, they were called noble, right? Because they would do that. They would go and search the scriptures. But that practice is so uncommon, uh, you know, in our day. Very few of us, after hearing a Sunday service, go and search the scriptures and say, God, I, I, you know, the, we preach about these five scriptures. I just want to hear the Lord more. I want to go deeper and find out what I ought to do. But it's such a necessary thing, saints. I remember, you know, a, a few years ago in our connect group, uh, because of that realization uh, that very few people actually revisit the scripture. And there was a research at the time that actually showed that within 72 hours or 48, I can't remember, uh, that you actually, people have actually forgotten what the message was. So we'd come to connect on a Wednesday, and the first question would be, what was the message about? Let's summarize the message. 
And it would be interesting how many um and ums, you know, you would get in that Wednesday. So imagine by Wednesday, you don't even remember what the word was about, but you want to appropriate what that word is about. And then you land up in frustration that the word is not being fulfilled. But maybe there's a bit of a lingering. And you see, if you try to do it in your own human strength, or you try to do it in intelligence, you try to do it in willpower, whatever it is that is just carnal, it has a limit. There's a breaking point that you can't go beyond. But Jesus knew what he was depositing in them for those 40 days was an eternal thing. And in order for them to actually do it, he's going, they're going to need something which is limitless. They're going to need the Holy Spirit of God. They're going to need God himself to be present to appropriate that word. They're going to need the presence of God. They're going to need the power of God. They're going to need God to guide them into all truth. And he does that through the Holy Spirit. So we have to walk with him. We have to go to him and say, Lord, this is the word. But remember what he said to them. He said that which you have heard from me. So this Holy Spirit that he was talking about would not have been a foreign idea to them. They, they have heard of the Spirit before, but they were not quite clued up on, okay, how do I now uh, you know, enter into wh what you are fully in? So now he was taking them there. And if you go to uh, John 14, 15, 16, you can go and read yourself in your, in your own time. Um, you know, you will see a few things that he says about the Holy Spirit. And one of the very first things he says about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is a comforter. Now, that's a strange thing to me. Like, why would that be the first thing? Because it's weird, right? A comforter. What do I need comfort for? Like, what is going to happen in my life, Jesus, that this has to be one of the first things that I actually have to know? But the truth of the matter is that the gospel message, the kingdom message is contrary to the world we are in. It opposes the world we are in. It opposes the direction of the world. And as such, you'll find opposition. As such, even if the Lord speaks to you so mightily and an angel shows up, you'll find opposition. Think about Jesus. When Jesus came, I mean, that's the fulfillment of so much of scripture, of so many prophecies Think about the opposition that Joseph and Mary faced. They had to flee towns to avoid being killed. Think about that. Angels confirmed that word. Angels confirmed and said, this is the guy. This is Jesus. Think about the real building of Jerusalem. The Lord spoke. He gave favor. It was a prophecy. He raised up Cyrus. Cyrus wrote the right letter. And yet they found opposition. You see, whenever the word comes, whenever the Lord is about to do something, it's not always smooth sailing. And sometimes we discount it because we think it's supposed to be smooth sailing. Think about Daniel and his friends, right? The Lord says he had actually given them favor with the chief eunuch. But when it came time to sort of determine their diet, and they knew they didn't want to be defiled or polluted by the delicacies of the king, although they had favor with the chief eunuch, guess what? The chief eunuch didn't allow them to not eat. He said, well, I can't risk my life. I'm not going to let you do that. But instead, they knew that that promise meant there was a faith mix. So what they did instead is they went a different direction. I think initially they went the religious way. We can't eat this because we are Jewish. It's not kosher. Okay? I don't even know if the word kosher existed, but yeah. Uh, you know, it's not kosher. Uh, you know, it will pollute us, it will defile us. They want the religious route. But when they came now to the servant 
who was now dealing with them directly, they went a different route. They went a scientific method and said, well, let's devise an experiment. Let's try it for 10 days, and if we are not as good in 10 days, then we'll go to your way. And the Lord was so faithful that they were fatter, you know? Uh, they were not gym buff, you know? So, you know, some of us are in shape in a different way, you know? They were fatter, okay? They were not gym buff, okay? But you can see there that although they were favored, there was a faith mix, which God had already put in Daniel. It was his wisdom. It was the intelligence for him to be able to devise a plan that was suitable. So it's so important that the comforter tells us that even when the Lord gives us a word and we are facing opposition on account of that word, we actually have God himself cheering us on. We have God himself saying, you can do it. Don't give up. This is nothing. It will pass. We have God himself saying, oh, no, was it a bad day? Didn't it go well? You know what? I'm here for you. Talk to me. Cast every burden on me. Okay, what's your anxiety? Give it to me. Don't hold on to it. Give it to me. So it is so important that the Holy Spirit is a comforter because the journey ahead is not easy. And think about this four chapters later, right? Three chapters later, they were in jail. They needed some comfort. And they were not in jail because they stole something. They were in jail because they obeyed. And the word brings that opposition. And after they were in jail, guess what they did when they were released? They ran back to the comforter. They ran back with the uh, fellow uh, sort of uh, friends and Christians and said, well, we need more boldness. And the Holy Spirit, the comforter came. It shook the place and actually they were filled again with the Holy Spirit. Okay? And it's so important to actually have that realization. Right now, as you know, the RCL Commission is still running to determine whether uh, Christianity, but they say religion in general, but it's about Christianity, should actually be regulated. Okay, you've seen that, right? Now, think about this. Some of the leaders in that community have spoken as part of giving the feedback and were cheered on, right? It was a normal thing. They have spoken and have said things like, well, the problem with those people is that they think God speaks. And they think God can speak. Uh, can, they, and they think they can speak to God. So imagine that's the person that's going to create a policy to determine how Christianity is going to work in the country. Somebody who does not believe that God speaks, nor believes that you will speak to God. So how in opposition will you be when you stand up and say, I serve a living God who neither sleeps nor slumbers? How weird are you going to be when you say, well, this is what God is saying to me? How weird are you going to be when you say, I was anxious and I spoke to God and now I have peace? It's going to be so contrary. It's going to, those, these statements, which are so normal, are going to be dangerous statements if the RCL go, goes forward. If they succeed in regulating. Because simply, the people who are leading it are not for your good. I don't even know for who's good, but they've been used. So it is so important, saints. And another thing that they would have known about the Holy Spirit is this key word that, that he used. He said, I'm going to give you another, right? So it's another comforter, it's another advocate, it's another helper. So he knew, they knew rather by just purely logic that actually it's another in the same sense that he was. So if you think about it, what did he do in their lives? The first thing is that he made them deserving. 
You see, rabbis were not followed by anyone. In fact, by very fact that they were in professions, it means they weren't chosen. They were not deserving to actually follow rabbis. And following a rabbi was the most prestigious thing in that particular community. It was a high honor. So you can imagine that Jesus went to these guys, even the tax collectors, right, who were so unworthy, who were so undeserving of following a rabbi, and he made them deserving. So it's so important to always have that realization that our deservedness is not a consequence of us, but a consequence of him on the cross. That gives us a certain amount of rest. That gives us a certain amount of just being, there's less anxieties. There's less stresses. Because we didn't get saved because we worked hard. We got saved because he did it all. Jesus makes us deserving. Secondly, he changed the course of their lives. Because if you think about it, Matthew could have continued and built out this massive government debt collection agency. You know, the auditing firms of the day. Respectable profession, why not? Right? Peter could have opened, you know, more, more chains and became like a KFC of fish, you know? And everywhere you go, you find Peter, okay? The, you know, Cephas, Cephas fishes, you know? Everywhere you go. So you think about them, James' his brother, perhaps, would have opened the first Ikea, you know? He could have gone and did this amazing furniture work uh, because that, that's the profession that they knew. And all of those, when we reflect back, they are professions that we would respect today. All of those are professions that would have led them to much wealth. They would have made a lot of money. They would have been rich. And in fact, when Jesus showed up to Peter for the first time, remember what he did? He showed them, I can actually make you mega rich. Because he showed up and he caught more fishes than he's ever been before. He couldn't even handle it. But Jesus said, leave it, let's go. You're going to catch a different kind of fish. So the impact of Jesus on them was not just spiritual. It was also physical. Amen. And sometimes we limit the word of God in that we make it so super spiritualized that it never changes our physical world. So that's why sometimes we find there's this duality of people in us. We go to the workplace and there's some different creature than the one we find in the Sunday service. The one we find in, amongst Christians and the one we find amongst sinners. Two different creatures. Why? Because we over-spiritualize. We don't realize that the word of God is supposed to change everything. Every, absolutely everything. And lastly, if you think about it, one of the things that he actually did for these guys is that he gave them something to live for. Something to live for which was bigger than themselves. But this thing to live for was so worth living for that it was worth dying for. It was worth suffering for. And boy, they suffered. They suffered, 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 suffered. But today, the ordinary Christian suffers for five minutes and backslides. And I tell you, saints, my hypothesis would be we see that kind of behavior because there's no spirit in that life. It's not because, you know, the spirit was so much there, even if you saw so much joy, you know, in them when they were hearing the word before. But the spirit is not there because it's a comforter. When the suffering comes, the comforter is there. When the tough times come, the comforter is there to pick us up and actually cheer us on. But then that's why another point that he actually made about the Spirit, he, he made the statement, he said, actually, he said, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. And he was speaking in the context of him leaving. So he says, okay, when I was here with you, you were not orphans. 
I'm about to leave, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. Okay? And he fulfilled that not leaving us as orphans to the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to give you another. But that tells us that there was actually a gap, a three-day gap, where these guys were orphans. And if you look at their lives in the three-day gap, it was a mess. It was such a mess. Like, imagine Jesus has already told you it's going to happen. I'm going to die, but I'm going to come back in three days. But in the space of three days, you go back to your profession. Right? In the space of three days, you, for, you forsook him, you're gone. Just three days. But that's the often mentality, isn't it? You know, and I'm all alone now. No one can help me. God helps those who help themselves. You know when you're quoting it like you've read it somewhere, and you even pray it in your scriptures, like it's there in your Bible. God only helps those who help themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's not what God says. That's an orphan mentality. Now, when you think about an orphan, it, the words for me that come up are like self, un, and dis. You know, self-reliance, self-providence. I'll do it myself. Disconnected. You know, I'm not connected to... There's no connection. I don't have family. I'm an orphan. I'm left alone. So I can feel unloved. I can feel unwanted. But that is not how we ought to be. Jesus has not left us as orphans. And you know, one of the worst things that actually happened in those three days of orphanage is that things, you see, when, when, we are, when we are behaving as orphans, we are living disconnected. When we are living disconnected, there are things that can enter in. What happened in those three days is that these guys had a level of unbelief and hardness of heart that you won't believe it. One of the first things that Jesus had to do when he came back from the dead and he, he was now with all of them, he had to rebuke them. Can you imagine? He had to rebuke unbelief. He was shocked to say, ah, what, what happened? Because the ladies came and said, we saw him. He, you know, we, we were told, he's risen, it's done. And I'm like, no, you know? And it kept happening. Other disciples came and said, he's actually risen, he spoke to us. And they're like, nah. You know, and some even say, and if I only believe if I put my head, you know, if I, <laughs> I must touch him to believe. The level of unbelief. One disciple even went to the tomb and found it empty, and he said, Well, this is constant with what they actually said, but I don't know what happened. He rose. So, the Holy Spirit's presence in our life ensures that we don't live a disconnected life. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. The Father is in heaven. The Holy Spirit is here today. He is the one that is connecting us to these things. He is leading us into these mysteries. So we need to keep a constant connection with the Holy Spirit of God. We mustn't live as though we are orphans. We mustn't live as though we are forgotten. And sometimes that's how we live. Okay, but let's quickly go back to just verse 5 of Acts 1 and quickly continue with this and uh, we're almost going to close and pray. He says, For truly John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Whoa, this is so important. Because Jesus, what he's talking, what he's talking about here is that is con contrasting, obviously, you know, two baptisms here, but the baptism of water, the baptism of John, did not transform. 
The baptism of John was merely you saying, I'm living that life, I'm going to follow John. That's what the baptism represented. It was a mechanism for you to say, to publicly just declare. But the, but, but the baptism itself did not change you. The most that it did is it made you wet. But it didn't actually change you. Now, the baptism of the Spirit, on the other hand, is completely different. It changes you completely. It transforms you. Think about this. If you take a sponge and you put it in water, and then you put it next to the sink, assuming you're in the kitchen, that water eventually is going to come out of the sponge and run into the sink again, right? So that sponge can't, it's not transformed by the fact that it was carrying water. It just, I was wet and now I'm dry. Imagine if that sponge is white. That sponge will remain white. That's, that's what's going to happen. But if you take that very same sponge and you actually put it either in paint or in water with some solution which can, you know, which has a strong enough colorant in it, you put that white sponge inside, you take it out, the water is going to drip out still, but that sponge will never be white again. It will never, ever be white again. It will take on the color of whatever it was in. Even if you cut it in half and you look inside, you're not going to find white. You will never have a white sponge again. But that's literally what happened when we were baptized into the Holy Spirit. We were changed completely. We are not like the people we were before we came to him. We are not like the world. We are completely, completely, completely different. This is so important because if we don't know that we are different, then we're going to try and appropriate the things of God according to how we did it before. According to how we would have appropriated something from just a motivational speaker. According to how we would have appropriated any jolly good message before. According to the ways of the world, we would try and use carnality to appropriate spiritual things. But if we realize that we are different, that we, we are completely you know, changed, that we're going to pause and say, hang on, what ought I be doing? So saints, you are completely different. There is something alive within you that is dead in the world. The Bible says we are dead in trespasses, we are dead in sins. He didn't find us alive and jolly good. He found us dead, but he quickened us. We are completely different. So we mustn't walk according to the old man. The old man can't take spiritual things. He's carnal. The old man can only appropriate carnal things. But there's a new man that we must be walking in. You know, there's old Adam, last Adam. We are part of the last Adam generation. We have a new blueprint after which we are following. So it's so important to realize that we are baptized into Christ Jesus. Okay. Verse 6 says, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? This is exactly what I was talking about just now. You see, because they were not yet baptized in the Spirit, they were still thinking like they're old men. So Jesus has just spent time talking to them about what? The kingdom of God. But at this time, they are coming to say, well, okay, does this mean you're going to do this now? Are you going to fulfill our national agenda? Are you going to fulfill what we've been aching for for so long? Do you see, when we are not baptized, when we don't realize that we have changed, we're going to try and use God to chase what we chased before. 
But our chase is completely different. We're not after what the world is after. We're not after what the Gentiles chase. We don't seek what they seek. We seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Anything else the Lord adds, but it's not our focus. And because it's not our focus, he adds it, he doesn't add it. We're not too bothered because our focus is the kingdom of God. But the Lord is faithful to his word. His word will always come to pass. So he will add what needs to be added in our lives. So we don't need to be stressed about this. So we don't then go and say, well, I'm going to go and follow Jesus and listen to this message for 40 days and be baptized in the spirit so that this national agenda can be fulfilled that I've been carrying in myself. Because I haven't been able to find a job or I haven't been getting uh, you know, a promotion, I'm going to make sure I show up to every church thing. But your heart is not about God. It's about the thing you are chasing out there. The Lord promised us that promotion doesn't come from east, west, north, south. It comes from the Lord. Why can't you rest on that word? Why can't you rest on that word and say, Lord, what's my faith mix? To appropriate it. But you say, no, instead, I'm going to make sure when the church is doing something, I'm there. Like if God has a register in heaven and there's enough ticks, then you say, okay, five ticks means promotion. That's not how it works, saints. We seek him, we worship him because he's so worthy. He's so mighty. Think about it. If your role model walked in here or you bumped into them in somewhere, wherever, no one will have to tell you to start worshiping. You know that. You'll just get into worship. There's something in you. There's an awe which just rises up. You don't even know how to hold yourself. Especially those people that are celebrity struck. Eh? Have you been with a friend who's celebrity struck and you bump into a celebrity? It is so embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, it is so, so embarrassing. I am not personally celebrity struck, but, struck, but I, I like to pretend that I am, uh, you know, to embarrass my label. So like we're, we're like in McDonald's and then we bump into a Oskido. And I'm like, yo, Oscar, Oscar. <laughs> yeah. I'm just glad he didn't ask me for any of his socks. Which one is your favorite? Hey, that it would have been awkward. Okay. But that's how it ought to be. You know, it, it, how much more for the great God, isn't it? We should be so much in awe of him. We should be so much awestruck to say, wow, I just want to worship you and lift you high. You know, I, I don't even care what you do after this, you know, whether you're going to sort out this situation of mine or not. But because the Lord is faithful, he will always touch on those things anyway. But the problem is when we go to him for those things, he doesn't touch on them. Because he's a good father, right? Sometimes he will discipline us and show us a more proper way. He's going to add it anyway. Verse 7, it says, And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or season which the Father has put in his own authority. So that's a very spiritual way of saying it's none of your business. Okay? Verse 8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Okay, so he's saying that you're going to get a new agenda. 
You're going to get a new agenda when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. It's not going to be the same agenda that you've been walking with for all your lives. There's a new heavenly agenda. It's an eternal agenda. And you're going to need to receive power from on high because what I'm doing is eternal. You're not going to be able to carry it in your own finite ways, in your own carnal ways. You're going to need something eternal. You're going to need God to be in you in order to fulfill what God is saying. That's what he's saying to them. But that agenda has not changed since. That agenda has not changed at all. The agenda still remains the agenda. There's much I could say about being a witness, you know, but it will take us uh, much, much longer. You know, we might not go to work. But the point is that being a witness is not just a thing you do. It is an identity, a new identity that the Lord has given us. It's who we are. Like nobody actually has to come and tell you to be black, to be white, to be colored, to be Indian. No one has to come and tell you and say, be that. It's who you are. It's an identity. You carry it wherever you go. When you walk into the door, people don't have to wonder, okay, what's going on? That identity comes to the fore. It's the same with being a witness. It is an identity. It is who you are. And this agenda has not changed. The Lord is still making us witnesses today. When we receive the Holy Spirit, when we are baptized, which we all are, we are witnesses. It is our identity statement. This, is so, this was so true in Paul's life that even when he was trying to go somewhere and preach the gospel and the Lord said no, he just went another place and the Lord said no. And it, he was going to keep going to other places. Can you imagine? Like if I'm going somewhere and the Lord says no, I'm going to say, ah, maybe the Lord is saying next week. <laughs> you know, the Lord is saying it's done. We'll face some opposition, so we are done. We're closing shop. If we had an attitude like that, we would never share the gospel with anyone. Because we will always face opposition because this gospel, this kingdom message is contrary to what's in the world. But the Lord literally had to tell Saul and say, look, I'm saying no because you must go somewhere else. This is where I'm sending you. He would have just gone elsewhere and elsewhere because he knew the agenda is the same. The agenda, my friends, still has not changed today. It's still the exact same agenda. So the reason we linger in God, the reason we must say, okay, I've received this powerful word. Let me go linger in, word, in God. Let me go linger in the word. Let me see what God is saying is so that we don't try to fulfill our own agendas using God as a cover. We want to fulfill the agenda of God. We want to fulfill what he says. That's what we want to do. There are things that God will do, and there are things that we must do. The two are not always the same. But when we actually do this lingering, that's when we figure out what is our faith mix. What should I be adding to this word? And that faith mix, obviously, is aligning to what's going to be fulfilled. Sometimes we get a word where we think, oh, this means I must go and apply for 10 jobs, and it turns out we must just go and offer. But because we don't have the faith mix or we have the wrong faith mix or we're just following religious pattern, we can miss God. My friends, linger in the Holy Spirit a little bit. In closing, let's read how this word was actually fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. Verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord and in one place, and suddenly they came from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and set on each one, and, and, uh, as of fire, and one set upon each one of them. And then... And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
Do you see that when you actually read how this word was actually fulfilled, we can divide it into two, three things. There are things which God did, okay? There are things which they did together, and there are things that they did as individuals. So this is so important. They, God sent the Spirit. They didn't have to go and say, Lord, I'm opening the heavens now. You know, the Spirit is going to fall, you know? They just had to wait. Just had to sit there. You see, they knew to wait because Jesus, their helper, had told them, wait. And it's the same with us. There are words where the helper, the Holy Spirit, the comforter tells us, wait. But if we don't hear him, if we don't linger, we're going to start running when he's saying, wait. We're going to start doing things that he didn't say. Because there are some things we'll only receive in waiting. But there are some things we'll only receive as we go. You know, with the healing... But we need the Holy Spirit to help us discern which season is which. Which word needs which faith mix. Which word needs to be accompanied by which works. This is so important. Now think about that word that he gave them in Acts 1, right? If he had not told them to wait and just said, you're going to be witnesses, do you know that they could have easily gone and put carnal plans, manly plans as to how we're going to fulfill this mission of being witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth? It was doable, but Jesus knew that what I'm doing is a global eternal thing. It's not going to be fulfilled by carnality. And what he's doing in your life, it's not just for now. He's conforming you always to the image of his son, Jesus. It's an eternal thing. It's of eternal value. It is more valuable than anything else. So as a consequence, sometimes we must wait. But it's going to take us walking with our helper, the Holy Spirit, in order to know which season is which. The second thing we see there is that this was fulfilled when they were together. This is so important because there are words where the togetherness is actually important to be fulfilled. There are some things that the Lord can speak to you and you only fulfill it in your connect group as a group. There are some words that the Lord will speak to you that you only fulfill as a church. But you must discern which season is which and you're going to need the Holy Spirit to do so. Because you're going to be frustrated that the Lord is not fulfilling what he said to you if you miss the fact that it's for us. There are some things which are for you and there are some things which are for us. And it is so important to distinguish which is which because it will determine what steps need to be done. So some of us who don't like fellowship, right? If the word is speaking a word to us, you must be in the fellowship. I'm sure there are those who actually turned back and said, guys, we've been waiting. This thing is not happening. Where's this Holy Spirit? We're going to go back. There are some who got tired of waiting. But those guys did not benefit from the, you know, from the fulfillment of this word. So that togetherness was a very important faith mix because when Jesus had spoken to them, he didn't say, okay, to you, just Peter, John, and James, my top three, I'm going to fulfill this. He was saying it to the disciples. They were saying, this is, your this is the promise which is coming to you guys as my disciples, as my followers. So they knew they had to be there as well. Okay? So important. So we must be able to distinguish the seasons. There are seasons for us just alone, and there are seasons for all of us. It's like sometimes the Lord gives us a revelation, right? You're reading the word, and it blows your mind and say, whoa, this is so powerful. I have never seen this before. Some of those times it means you must go and tell everyone about that word. And some of those times it means it's just for you. You must just keep quiet. Keep it to yourself. But it's going to need Holy Spirit to actually distinguish between. And the last thing that we see is that they actually had to individually do something. You know, and sometimes the word is not fulfilled in our lives. We hear it, we receive it with joy, we celebrate, we hallelujah, we amen. 
but then we follow it up with idleness. The Holy Spirit was upon them. The Holy Spirit gave them utterance, but they still had to move their tongues. Such a small thing. Imagine all you had to do to enter into this mighty promise of receiving God. Think about how big that is. Just move your tongue. And you're going to enter into the promise. So there are some things that we must do. But notice how small that was. Just move your tongue. I mean, it's not a hard thing. It's an easy thing. But sometimes we can go and add burdens to ourselves as a consequence of the word because we are adding the wrong faith mix. We've created our own rituals because we've heard every preacher was the seven steps. You know, there's always seven steps to everything. Seven or three. You know, it's never seven steps to this, three steps to that. Because three and seven, okay, never mind. But yeah, but you can go and you just keep doing seven steps and seven steps and seven steps and you're frustrated because the word is not fulfilled. Why? Wrong faith mix. We must linger in the spirit to find out the right faith mix. So saints, I'm going to ask us to stand and pray as we actually close. But this is so important. My entire point is just to say, when the word comes, linger in the spirit. Spend time time in those scriptures. Like today I've gone through Acts 1, Acts 1 to 8, right? Don't run. Spend some time in Acts 1 8. Ask God and say, well, what's my faith mix? How do I become a witness in my workplace? How do I become a witness in my family? That is so important to have that right faith mix. But let's pray firstly and ask that the Lord will help us to move in pace with him. We don't want to be rushing when the Lord is saying wait. We don't want to be waiting when the Lord is saying I'm going to do it on the way. We need to know at which time, which faith mix to actually put in. So let's just pray for that and we'll take another prayer point. Mm. Father, we just ask you in the mighty name of Jesus and say, Lord, we want to put in place the right faith mix. We want to mix the word that you speak over us with faith, O oh God. We don't want to hear it alone, but we want to be doers of your word, O oh God. So we pray in the name of Jesus and say, Lord, by your grace, help us, O oh Father, to walk in step with you, in pace with you. Holy Spirit, guide us, lead us into the right pace. We don't want to move faster. We don't want to move slower, but we want to move at pace with you, with your word, O oh God, in accordance with what you are saying, O oh Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, my God. We don't want, O oh God, to go ahead. We don't want to be left behind, but we want to be exactly doing what we ought to be doing in the mighty name of Jesus, my God. Help us in that, in the mighty name of Jesus. Mm. Thank you, Father. Mm. Amen. Amen. Let's pray as well to say that the Lord will help us. The Holy Spirit is our helper. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to say, Holy Spirit, with every promise we're actually trusting you for. You know that there's some things we're still trusting the Lord for. Let's ask him and say, Lord, what's the right faith mix? What should I be mixing this promise with? What is, what is that combination? Let's ask him for that. Yeah, Father, we just ask you in the mighty name of Jesus, Father. We know that your promises, oh Father, yes and amen, they will always be fulfilled, oh God. So we know, oh God, that there's a faith mix. We don't receive them by sight. We don't receive them carnally, oh God, but we receive them by faith, oh God. So we ask you in the mighty name of Jesus.
my father and say open our eyes to the right faith mix oh god to say what ought to we be adding oh god to what you have spoken to what we are trusting for oh god we know you will fulfill it we know that you will do it so we ask you in the mighty name of jesus christ oh god that you show us what we ought to be doing to accompany what you have spoken over us in the mighty name of jesus my father thank you god that you speak you are living oh god you're not a mute idol but a living god who speaks in the mighty name of jesus mm. thank you father Thank you, Father. And let's pray lastly. Let's ask the Lord to help us cultivate a good and an effective relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God, you know, and is the God who is with us today, who is available to us today. So let's ask him to cultivate that relationship and, and that it will, be, it will be manifest in our following closer and closer of his agenda. You know, so let's ask him for that and say, we want to walk with you. We want to go deeper with you because you're a person and we want to be able to just talk to you. Yeah, Father, we just ask you and say, Lord, we thank you that we have been baptized in your Holy Spirit, that we have received your Holy Spirit. But we pray and say, Lord, help us, O oh God, to walk rightly with your Spirit. Teach us how to effectively relate, O oh God. Teach us how to effectively walk with him in the mighty name of Jesus. Teach us how to linger in him. Teach us, O oh Holy Spirit, how to, how to actually have this wonderful relationship with you in the mighty name of Jesus. We don't want to just leave you out. We don't want to just consult you when we need something, but we want to walk with you daily. We want to be guided by you into all truth, oh God. We want to enter into what, the, what you are speaking, oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus, through that leadership of the Spirit. So we say, Holy Spirit, teach us, take us by the hand, take us by the hand, do a work in us to show us how to effectively relate with you, to effectively walk with you, to effectively know you in the the mighty name of Jesus. You are so worthy, O oh God. You are so worthy. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Mm. Yeah, Father, we just thank you um, for what you are doing in our lives, O oh God, that you have spoken so many things so powerfully, O oh God. We pray, Father, that over those things that we know, O oh God, that you were depositing something very specific to us, that we would come back with those scriptures, we would come back with that word and just linger in you, O oh God, and just spend time with you, Holy Spirit, to get guidance from you and on the faith mix that we ought to have, O oh God. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus and say, Lord, help us to not ignore you, to not ignore you, Holy Spirit, in our, in our spiritual walk, O oh God, that we will continually engage you, that we will continually speak to you, that we will continually ask you to to guide us into all truth, to lead us into all freedoms in the name of Jesus. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, O oh God, and say, Lord, we know that we will not appropriate kingdom things by carnal mechanisms, O oh God. So forgive us for every time, O oh God, that you have spoken over us and we've tried to do it ourselves, O oh God. We abandon that way of living because we know we are a people baptized in the Spirit. We are a people led by your Spirit. We are people walking with the Holy Spirit. So we pray, Holy Spirit, and say, be with us, guide us, lead us, we don't want to do it by ourselves any longer. We don't want to behave as orphans any longer. We don't want to behave like we are left alone, but we want to behave as a people who are beloved sons, who are loved by the Father in the mighty name of Jesus. You are so worthy, so glorious. We thank you for what you have spoken over us. We thank you that you, you will watch over the word to fulfill it in our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen, amen. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www.everynationmidrand.org.